Welcome to Behind the Music, the Houston Chamber Choir's weekly podcast. I'm Sinjin Flynn. This time, we are talking to Joshua Chavira, who is a member of the alto section of the Houston Chamber Choir. Joshua, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Where are you at the moment? Right now, I'm in my apartment downtown Houston. I'm actually a couple of blocks from my rehearsal space with the chamber choir, so it's very exciting. <laughs> So you've got no excuse for being late for rehearsal. Exactly, never, no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> and you and you, your family, etc. Everybody is safe and well during the. Uh, they the are safe and well. Yes, um, they actually just moved to Vegas, um, and I got to see them during the pandemic um, for about a month, which was great to see them because it's a very hard time right now for all of us, and being with family is a wonderful thing. How long ago did you join the Houston Chamber Choir? Oh, a bit in August of 2018 was my first um, day of um, the chamber choir. And I think one of the things that is so special about you is that you sing in the alto section because you are a countertenor. That is your, your voice type. Yes. How, <laughs> how long ago did you realize that that was your fuck to use the the uh, technical term that that was your voice uh, type you could be a tenor you could be a baritone you could be a bass you could also be a counter tenor exactly well um i've always been able to sing very high and i knew there was something special about my voice um and obviously we can tell that just by me speaking i have a super high speaking voice so i think that translated into my singing voice as well and i've always just sung in the range of a countertenor, um, but that was just like my real voice. And it wasn't until I got to um, graduate school that I switched to um, countertenor because they tried to pigeonhole me into being a tenor because that's just the normal thing you, anyone would do really with a, a male is just, oh, you're a tenor because you have a high voice, but it's not really the case with some special people, but. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing with with countertenors is it affects your choice of repertoire, doesn't it? Oh yes, very greatly. I had to learn basically all new repertoire when I started countertenor. <laughs> Making that transition from being a tenor to a countertenor, did you feel like you'd come home? Did you feel like you, you'd arrived at the place where your voice felt uh, its best? Oh, absolutely. Um, even when I was training um, as a tenor in college, I would always like sneak into practice room and just like sing some high notes randomly because like they felt better than like me singing my tenor voice. So as soon as I actually had the classification um, by my name as a counter tenor, I felt so much better, like a world had opened up for me. Is there a difference between a counter tenor and somebody who sings falsetto? Um, there are different types of countertenors. I believe that I um, sing in with more of um, approximation of the vocal folds than most countertenors do. A lot of countertenors are normally baritones or basses trained to sing with their falsetto. I don't believe that I sing in a falsetto. I believe I do sing with my full voice. So that's something that's a little different than most countertenors. And is there a difference between a countertenor and a male soprano? Yes, the range um, differs greatly. I, I wish I was a male soprano because I love the repertoire that they get to sing, but um, 
my classification does not allow that really. <laughs> so a male soprano, do, do they sing higher? They have a higher register. Oh yeah, definitely. I think it's about like a third or fourth higher than what I would traditionally sing. Within the choir, are you the only countertenor? Yes. Um, so among all the altos, um, I'm the only countertenor. And um, I actually do sing with Cammie and Kelly, which we went to school together. Um, and we studied with the same teacher. So I think that's really exciting that I got to be trained by their teacher. And obviously, they're wonderful musicians as well. So um, it's just a testament to how great I was taught by this teacher. And you've been in the choir for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. What's that experience been like for you? Had you sung in an ensemble before? Oh yeah, I've been a part of many ensembles, but never a professional group like this. This is, I guess, the pinnacle of what anyone would want to aspire to sing with. Um, this is just a tremendous ensemble to sing with. What is it that you like about being part of the ensemble? Obviously, you, you love singing. Um, I assume that being part of the choir is more than just about singing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. So with this group, everyone comes um, ready to work and we all have our own ideas of what um, the music should be, but Bob helps us train it to where we are all on the same page. And once we get that, we are totally in sync every performance and it's wonderful to be on stage with a group of musicians where you're not nervous if someone's gonna mess up or anything. It's just, you're there to sing and you're there to put on a great show. How often does the choir rehearse? We rehearse um, mostly every Monday, unless it's a holiday, and um, sometimes once a Saturday every month. And what are those rehearsals like? You, you rehearse at the uh, Christchurch Cathedral. Yes, we do. Correct? downtown Houston. What are the rehearsals like? Um, they're pretty intense, um, but as expected with a professional choir, we all come with our music learned and we are just not really note picking. We are um, getting the main idea of what the piece should be like in our um, minds and hearts and just trying to meld it all together until we're one. I would imagine that there are relatively few pieces in the choir's repertoire that demand a countertenor. Do you therefore feel that fulfilled, if you like, singing as part of the alto section? I know that's a horribly unfair question. <laughs> um, I think anything that I sing with this group, I feel wholly a part of um, because I think what Bob looks for um, when, he, when he added me he looks for color and right. I think that I add a beautiful color to the section um, and I never feel like there's not a piece that I sing that I shouldn't be a part of I've always loved seeing everything that he picks and he's a wonderful programmer so Bob Simpson our artistic director he's amazing so everything he picks I feel like I'm lucky to be a part of is he a hard taskmaster? Oh, he's a taskmaster until the day he's going to die. I mean, he's just like that, but that's why he's so fantastic, um, because we get stuff done, and we basically just get to the very nitty-gritty bits 
at the very end before the concert and then we're ready to go. Since you've been with the choir, what are some of the uh, your, your favorite pieces? Oh, so Circle Song, um, a song that written by Bob Chilcott, which we just recorded for our latest album, is probably one of my favorite pieces. I never, ever had a dull moment singing that piece. Every piece, every note, I was in it, and I never waned from that. It was one of the best experiences I've ever gotten to do is work with Bob Chilcott, um, and then our director, Bob Simpson. They're both wonderful musicians, and I never had a dull moment singing that piece. Of course, Bob Chilcott is one of the uh, the great vocal composers uh, from Britain, isn't he? Yes, he is. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Circle Song. What, what sort of piece is it? So Circle Song is uh, an idea that Bob Chilcott had. He gathered um, pieces from indigenous Native American tribes and I guess told a story across the entire song cycle of um, these people and it is truly wonderful to be a part of something like that because they were here before we we got here um, and just to be um, a part of telling a story of Native Americans and is just something that I've always kind of wanted to do because we don't really talk about much of them um, and it's great to get the word out. Do you sing in any other ensembles outside of the chamber choir? I do I actually sing with Bob Simpson at um, Christ Cathedral, which is fantastic as it's again, it's two blocks from me. So um, that's very fun. And I've gotten many experiences just being in that ensemble as well. We got to go to England, which was amazing this past summer um, when we sang um, in the cathedral in Salisbury and then the cathedral in Canterbury, which was wow. amazing. They were both beautiful spaces. And then I sing with the Box Society here in Houston as well with um, Rick Erickson, the artistic director there. And that's where I get to sing my Bach stuff and um, early music. So I don't um, ever lack getting to sing early music. <laughs> Is there more repertoire for countertenors in the Baroque era? Oh, yeah, that's basically where my bread and butter is, is the Baroque era, for sure. Do you have any countertenor heroes? Yes, um, Philippe Jarouski um, was one of my um, first idols when I came into the countertenor world. Um, I listened to a lot of his stuff. He's not necessarily what I am now. Um, I thought I was going to be um, that type of countertenor, um, but he's more of a, a falsettist. Um, Mm -hmm. And I use more of my full voice. So um, Andrea Scholl is kind of more um, the repertoire that I would sing, what he sings. But I, again, I use a little bit more of my full voice. So there's not really anyone that I've listened to that has kind of had a similar voice to me, which is kind of upsetting. But I mean, I guess I can kind of pioneer what I do a little bit. <laughs> Let's talk about how you came to music. Are you from a musical family? Not really, actually, which is very weird. I've, I've heard my parents kind of sing, and they have musical bones in their body, but they weren't musicians. Um, but my parents joke, and they always say that I came out of the womb singing um, music. So it's just always been something that I've done, and I've never let go, ever. What sort of music did you listen to when you were growing up? 
oh my goodness so my parents were huge 80s people so um Whitney Houston was actually one of my idols growing up. I sang Whitney Houston, um, Celine Dion, uh, Mariah Carey, and I guess that's where my voice kind of stuck, um, kind of in that range, <laughs> and I could belt when I was little. Um, belting's a little harder now because I have more of a classical technique, but um, it's always fun to go back to what I'm used to. <laughs> I think Whitney Houston had one of the most incredible voices, along with, uh, oh, yeah. along with Aretha. <laughs> Yes. Oh, God, they're all wonderful. Um, and I kind of tried to emulate my technique to what they had when I was younger. So I guess it, some of it kind of stuck with me. <laughs> when did you start studying music? I started studying music seriously when I first got to college. I didn't have a voice teacher in high school or anything like that. Um, so when I first got to college is when I started taking music more seriously. And um, when you start college here in America, they normally train you classically. So that's when I first got into classical music was in college. Where did you go to college? I went to Stephen F. Austin State University for my undergrad and uh, my master's. Um, same as Kami and Kelly, actually, we both have um, undergrad and master's from the same school. <laughs> Kelly Lawless and Kami Estelle yes. from, from the choir and from one from of the, the earlier episodes of, of yes. the <laughs> So where did you grow up? I actually grew up in Anaheim, California. Um, and then my parents um, both got jobs here in Houston and we moved when I was 11. Um, so that's when I actually started uh, singing in choir was when I moved here. Um, Cause I didn't really have any friends when I moved here. So, um, and there was an announcement on the, my first day of school that said, hey, do you want to join choir? And I was like, immediately, yes, I do. So on my lunch break, I actually went to the choir director and was like, I want to be in choir. So that was, I guess, my first taste of it, like seeing choral music. And it was absolutely so much fun. Did you know at that point that you had a good voice? Um, it wasn't until um, I joined choir um, in middle school. And my teacher saw something special in me. She was like, you can sing. Um, so she gave me a lot of solo opportunities and things like that. And that's when I kind of knew, I was like, okay, I have a voice to sing. So I used it. <laughs> now, this was presumably you were singing in the tenor range then. Yes, definitely. Um, but a lot of the tenors at that time could sing even higher. So we would have kind of competitions to see who could sing the highest. <laughs> <laughs> were you always the winner? Not always, actually. There was, there was this one guy, um, he was... Um, one of my good friends at the time, and we would always like battle, like who could sing the highest. He could actually sing a little higher than me, but um, it was falsetto for sure for him. But for me, I guess it was just belting. <laughs> That's one of the uh, the great countertenor, uh, I guess, arguments is whether you're a, a true countertenor or whether you're just singing falsetto. Exactly, <laughs> it's always an argument, but um, it's all fun at the end of the day. When you have been part of an ensemble, as you were you know, in middle school, high school, and, and in college as well, what has been your favorite type of music to sing or um, favorite composers maybe? Um, I would always love to sing masterworks like the Foray Requiem or Mozart's Requiem. Um, I also love the Frank Martin Mass, which is arguably one of my favorite pieces to ever sing. And I've only gotten to do it once, 
Um, so hopefully, Bob Simpson, if you hear this, you should program that because it's gorgeous. Right about that mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I love seeing masterworks because um, the composers really put their thought and effort into that. Sort of just like writing a little piece for their church. Um, they put more effort, I think, um, and it shows in the piece, and I love to sing them. You, that singing as part of an ensemble, have you had much experience as a soloist? As a soloist, I've had um, quite a few opportunities, um, not too much, um, just because I'm newer to countertenor, um, but once I started um, as a countertenor, um, it's funny that you say um, solo opportunities, because in college, um, my director, he was like, you can kind of sing hi. Um, we're going to do the full Messiah um, coming up in the spring, and I would like you to do the alto solos for the full Messiah. And I was mm -hmm. elated. I couldn't believe my director was asking me to do that. Um, but he wanted to do it um, with the practice of how it would have been performed. So we did a smaller um, ensemble, um, Baroque, we hired Baroque musicians from Houston. Um, and it was a great performance. Um, so that was one of my first solo opportunities as a counter And then they used me for Chichester Psalms for the, the boy solo, um, the um, Bernstein piece. Right. And then um, once I moved to Houston, um, I got some solo opportunities with the Bach Society here and just little solo opportunities here and then with, um, with Bob Simpson and the Chamber Choir. What's the difference for you between singing as a soloist and singing as part of an ensemble? With an ensemble, you kind of have people to fall back on just in case you flub up. But when you're a soloist, it's all you. There's nothing, no holes barred. You just got to go for it and you have to know your stuff for sure. But I mean, I always learn my stuff for um, singing with the choir because I don't like um, to be um, the weak link. I love to be a leader um, in an ensemble, which all of us are leaders in the chamber choir. We just come prepared and it, it's amazing to work with musicians like that. You're also a teacher. Yes. So I just got a job teaching elementary music, um, which is something I didn't think I would um, be doing actually. So I got my undergrad in music education and I went in with that with the goal of wanting to be a choir director um, at the high school level. But um, once I student taught at the end of my degree, I loved teaching the kids. Um, and because they're smiling faces when they come in, they're just like ready to learn. And my personality jives so well with the little ones. So I'm really excited to start this new journey. I'll be teaching pre-K through five, um, fifth grade. So the very little ones to the almost middle schoolers. <laughs> Which school district? In Spring ISD, and that's where I, actually, I went, to, went to school in Spring ISD. So it's a full circle for me. It's so good to see somebody who is so excited about, about teaching within the, uh, the, the public school system. And I would, for me, I would be petrified having to go into a, a class of, you know, I don't know, seven-year-olds or something. But uh, you thrive on that. Yes, I'm really excited. The only thing I'm nervous about is the, um, the aspect of teaching online during this pandemic. So we're going to be starting 
um, the first month of school online. And that kind of terrifies me because it's new territory for everyone. And I don't really have much assistance, but I'll do the best that I can online. And then once we can get back into class, I, I know what to do from there. Yeah. Has your teacher training had any online component in terms of, of learning to how to teach online, learning different pedagogical methods, etc.? They've been working, my district has been working all summer with like workshops. So we're going to get those coming up and we've done a couple of trainings with just normal teachers um, training online. So that's kind of gotten us the hang of what we're going to be using with Google Hangouts or a Google district. So that'll be um, uh, more familiar to me since we've done it a couple of times before, but we'll have more trainings um, coming up before school starts. So presumably the students that you'll be teaching, you'll be teaching them to read music right from the get-go. I mean, they, they will have no uh, formal training prior to coming to you. Um, some of them, yeah. Um, with the little ones, we, um, we're going to do more of uh, basic theory um, and then reading and dancing and just trying to get them to tap a steady beat and um, things like that. So very basic stuff. With the older kids, they've had some prior um, music training with the teacher before me. So it'll just differ greatly um, and depend on what they've um, had before. So you'll be proselytizing. Yes. <laughs> get, get them while they're young. Exactly. <laughs> I wonder, as a, uh, a countertenor, have you had much experience with opera, with Baroque opera, for example? Um, I've worked on some roles, but I haven't been in a Baroque opera. Um, it's definitely one of my goals um, for later, um, maybe in the next five years, to try to prepare something and hopefully um, travel to Europe to sing something. Um, my summers are free as a teacher, so, and I know, have some connections with um, people in Italy, so hopefully I can sing a few, even if it's just a role, um, like half a role or a couple of um, arias in a master class, um, something like that, would, that would be amazing. I'm going to ask you a personal question now. As countertenors get older, and their voices change. Do they change? Do you have to? Do you have to come down to the uh, the tenor range? I think once that happens, I'll just slowly back away from performing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to um, do like a Placido Domingo where he was a tenor and then he moved down to baritone. I think I'll just gracefully bow out of performing, but I'll always be a part of the music community in some form or fashion. Right. And what are your aspirations? How do you want to see your your singing life develop? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've always had the goal of just perform in as many countries as possible. Um, <clears throat> so I've gotten um, a lot of choral opportunities to perform. When I was in school, I performed in Germany, Austria, the Czech Republic, Italy, I performed in the Vatican with choirs. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it was one of my favorite memories of singing in the Vatican. Um, so I performed in a few countries. I would love to expand that. Um, I have friends I met at a summer program a few years ago in Italy who are from Japan, and I would love to sing with their Bach Society, maybe 
in the summertime when they do fun little performances, but it'd be my goal to just travel the world and sing. The places you mention, like the Vatican, for example, also Salisbury Cathedral, Canterbury Cathedral, are these huge ecclesiastical spaces. And there's something, um, there's something very mystical about singing in that environment. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yes. Every time I sing in a space like that, I get chills and um, immediately just start smiling. It's definitely a happy place for me is singing in a space of um, positivity um, with people who love to sing. You sing with the Bach Society here in Houston. Mm -hmm. So I assume that you love the music of Johann Sebastian Bach. Oh, yes. Definitely one of my favorites. Um, anywhere from his oratorios, cantatas, um, a lot of um, the solo works he's written. I even love listening to his organ works. Um, mm. Our organists at Christ Cathedral plays Bach all the time, and I love getting to hear that prelude or postlude in the morning. It's always wonderful to hear Bach. <laughs> what is it about Bach's music that attracts you so much? I've heard many... Um, interviews on NPR and they describe it as um, something that is just very complex um, and I love the complexity of his music. Um, the fugues that are written just go on forever and I love getting to figure out where it's going and how to translate that into my own voice. Um, he's definitely one of the um, hardest um, composers for the voice just because it's not the most natural to sing but once you get it down it's something that you can't stop singing <laughs> what about his harmonies oh the harmonies are just fabulous when he whenever he adds um harpsichord or organ um in the bottom and especially when um when a soloist has to sing um the aria um something changes from the chorus to the, um, the aria in mood. And he, he sets mood very well for, for solo performers. And that's always something that I look for in the composers that I love is, do they, do they have a mood of a piece or is it just set um, through the text? Um, and Bach sets text very well too. Um, so that's, Bach is honestly one of my favorite composers just because he's wonderful at that. You've sung some, some Bach solos. Yes, definitely. <laughs> is, there, is there one that you could sing a few bars of right now? Just to give uh, us a, a sense <laughs> of your voice. I'm putting you on the spot and I, I, I apologize for that, but oh, it would sure. be lovely to hear you. <laughs> yes, so Ezurientes from the Bach Magnificat. I sang that in college. Um, I could try and sing a few bars. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> you mentioned that your first sort of really intense, intensive musical training, vocal training, was when you went to college. Yes. Do you remember what it is that you, that 
you learned that was so fundamentally different um, from how you had been singing before that has sort of opened up the, all these tremendous vistas for you? Yes, so in college, mainly just every lesson we talk about is the vowel that you sing on, so a, e, e, o, u, and you're looking for the most pure vowel on every single note that you sing, and that's one of the biggest things that I look for is having every vowel rounded um, and just singing with the purest tone that you can sing with, and you get to that purity with the vowel. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that I've learned, and I still struggle with it, um, and something every singer will struggle with till the day they die, but you constantly get better and constantly change minute things in your voice through the vowel. So when you're at home, you have to uh, study the uh, the scores that you're that you're singing. Oh, so yes. presumably, <laughs> presumably, you spend a lot of time in your uh, apartment or your your house singing on your own. Oh yes, definitely. Um, I sing every day, multiple times a day, just checking a certain piece that I remember. I'm like, oh, I had trouble in that spot. Let's see if I can figure out what this is. And once you get to a point in your technique um, to where um, you feel more proficient, um, you don't have to sing the full piece every single time. You can just pick out certain hard parts um, of a piece. And then um, once you have those parts down, you can sing the entire piece. Um, and it's fun. I used to live a few years ago next door to two of the members of the Houston Grand Opera Studio. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a, it was a, a tenor and a, and a soprano. They were, they were an item. And I could often hear them practicing because the sound would come through. I see at the, your uh, um, AC ducts behind you. Yes. Uh, and, <laughs> And their voices would come through the uh, would come through the. I mean, it was wonderful, um, mm -hmm. you know, just to, to to be able to hear that. But uh, um, do you sing in the shower? Oh, I sing in the shower, in the kitchen, in my bedroom, wherever. Um, I try to keep it during the day, um, not at night, really, when most people are sleeping. Um, but I try to be um, respectful of other people's <laughs> um, times. <laughs> And what's your shower repertoire? Does it vary from uh, from your professional repertoire? Oh yes, I sing Whitney, I sing anything um, like Mariah Carey, um, like I mentioned, Carrie Underwood. Um, it varies greatly by the day, um, but I always go back to uh, my own personal repertoire that I sing. <laughs> Do you like to sing karaoke? I hate singing karaoke. It makes me so nervous. <laughs> Why? That's what you do, isn't it? Yeah, but it's um, not something that I practice every day, pop music. Um, but I mean, I can pop out an aria anytime you want. But right. karaoke is a lot more different just because you don't sing that every day. So um. <laughs> They don't have a huge aria repertoire in the karaoke bars, do they? No, um, I know there are some um, bars that you probably could do that, but <laughs> I don't really want to seek that out. <laughs> do you have a, a sort of a go-to karaoke song? Um, it's actually Whitney Houston's song, um, I Want to Dance with Somebody. <laughs> uh -huh. 
<laughs> it's one of my favorites. <laughs> Do you ever think that you'll get to to sing that professionally? <laughs> no, never, never. I don't want to sing it professionally. <laughs> as as a, a countertenor, do you feel special? I don't know if that's the right word, but but you're a rare commodity. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that um, people view you differently because you're a countertenor rather than I want to. I was going to say just a tenor, as though you know they're tenor penny. I don't mean it like that. Right? <laughs> um, obviously, tenors are uh, more common than counter tenors. Yes. Do you feel special in an ensemble? I do, um, but only because um, I was bullied throughout school for having a super high voice. Um, but once speaking I speaking voice. Yes, my speaking voice. Um, mm -hmm. I never really liked to show um, my high voice to other than people like that I was singing with um, because I was bullied for having a high speaking voice. So if I had a high singing voice, well, I'd get double bullied. Um, but now that I'm in the realm where people actually find it cool um, and or find it interesting, I do feel a little more special now. Um, but when I was going through school, it was pretty rough. Um, I will say that. But once I got to college, it was fine. People were like, oh my God, you can sing high. That's really cool. <laughs> Is there countertenor repertoire that you are sort of chomping at the bit to sing that you haven't so far? There's a lot of Bach stuff that I still can't sing because it's pretty hard and I need to work with a teacher to figure out um, the bits that I can't figure out myself. Um, I would love to sing Bernichto um, Ru, um, which is um, from Bach Cantata. It's one of my favorite pieces to listen to. Um, the lines are just so sustained, and I don't know um, if I should add vibrato here or um, take it away. Um, I just need um, more work with a coach um, just to figure out what the intent of the composer was. Um, and I want to sing it the most authentically that I can, so I need a little bit more work with that. <laughs> I think that's one thing that people might be surprised to, uh, to realize about professional singers is that once their schooling has ended and they've begun their performing lives, that they do often continue to work with a, a vocal coach. Oh yes, definitely. Vocal coaches and um, voice um, teachers. Um, we always constantly need tweaking. Um, if we fall out of a, a certain pattern with our vocal technique, um, our teachers can help us fix it and get back on track. Um, so I will be a, a student for life, honestly. And tell me, uh, as we end, tell me what repertoire you're working on at the moment with the Chamber Choir. With the Chamber Choir right now, we're actually going to be um, recording a piece um, on um, kind of like Zoom, but um, just videoing ourselves. Um, we're going to be doing a Daniel Nags um, piece. He's a, a local performer, or a local composer here in Houston. And we're going to be <clears throat> recording that to um, premiere online. We performed it. Um, at the beginning of the season um, and the piece is titled to everything there is a season and we think it'd be a perfect piece to kind of roll out during the pandemic when people need um, something to hold on to or a um, little hope um, so we think it'd be great to um, sing and we're going to roll it out um, hopefully in the next couple of months 
And your rehearsals during the pandemic, have they been via Zoom? No, we haven't really had rehearsals because our normal um, schedule where we have summer off, um, we begin um, back in August. So this is going to be something in addition to that. It must be difficult when you're so much of, uh, of what is so special to you, which is singing as part of, of these ensembles, that goes away. It must be difficult. How do, you, how do you fill that time? How do you fill that place in your, in your heart and soul, if you like? Um, I just try to sing as much as I can here at home. And I guess during this pandemic, I've been, um, I've, I've moved. Um, I fill my time with them trying to learn as much as I can to teach um, my own classroom. Um, so they're definitely all, there's definitely always something you can do to fill your time. Look, Josh, we appreciate you taking the time to, to tell us about your singing life and, uh, and, and the countertenor voice, which uh, I think a lot of people, you know, still need to, uh, you know, to learn about. Um, best wishes for the upcoming school year. Best wishes for the upcoming Houston Chamber Choir season. Stay safe and thank you very much for taking the time to talk. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a true pleasure. And thank you to everybody who supports the Houston Chamber Choir, the patrons and sponsors. And thank you to you for tuning in. And I hope that you'll tune in again next time. I'm Sinjin Flynn. Bye-bye. Houston Chamber Choirs with One Accord is your one-stop shop to choral joy. Help us to continue our mission to grow the esteem and appreciation of choral music by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to our content. Visit us at HoustonChamberChoir.org.